You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. And we need it because we're weak and uh, we need God's help. And uh, anytime we think we can do it on our own, we will learn eventually that that was incorrect. And the Lord has a way of Lord has a way of teaching us that. Amen. And thank you for that. Special. It's a blessing to be with you. It's a blessing to have my wife uh, with me, Heidi. And uh, this is uh, will be our 36th anniversary this year. And I thank God for a godly wife. And she's got a wonderful heritage of Christian parents. God bless both of us with uh, strong, uh, faithful Christian parents. Who, uh, when they got saved back in the 60s and 70s, just got in. I mean, literally jumped into their churches, both of which were uh, new ministries at that time. And I mean, we both grew up, son, it's now we grew up uh, 800 miles apart, didn't know each other, but uh, she in Iowa, I in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but our parents going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday night. Uh, tithing, missions, we had a bus in our front yard, she had a bus in Iowa in her front yard, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, I just grew up, uh, Brother Brown, thinking that when people got saved, that's what they did. Yeah. Then I became a pastor. <laughs> uh, then I learned that not everybody does that, Amen. And, uh, but I'm thankful for anybody who comes, and I'm thankful for you faithful people here tonight. And uh, this is a good crowd on a Wednesday night, especially, you know, I talk about, uh, you know, the church. We're going to be able to talk for the rest of our lives about pre-COVID and post-COVID, amen. And I'll tell you what, this is a great crowd for a post-COVID uh, Wednesday night midweek service. And I'm thankful for this church and uh, thankful to see that, Things are going on. I, uh, Pastor Brown took me through the building uh, on Monday, your new building over here, and the construction uh, going on there, and to see the ministry and the, the upgrade to this building. I mean, I went in the bathroom, and I didn't want to come out. Amen? Man, I'm like, is this the Hilton Hotel or what here? And uh, so, uh, so it's... I'll, and I'll tell you what, folks, you may say, boy, that's a lot of money to spend, and I have no idea what you spent on those bathrooms, but I know this, you could have spent less, amen? And, uh, but I'm telling you what, the, to visitors coming in and folks coming in and to uh, pastors and preachers coming through, I'll tell you what, it's a nice thing to walk into a nice, clean restroom. And, uh, and I thank God for a pad. You have a pastor with a vision. Uh, it's first class, everything done first class. And, uh, and you can be thankful for that. I can attest to this. It is not that way everywhere. <laughs> I, can, I can promise you that. And uh, I don't say that uh, everywhere I go. And so, uh, but I'm thankful for your pastor, your faithful support for us uh, for these years now. God's blessed our ministry, opened the door uh, for us to uh, once again venture out full time. Uh, working with states, working with Awake America and Pastor Mike Creed. I'm thankful for the vision that God has given to Pastor Creed. And uh, if you haven't heard him, he's been out here in Iowa, or in Iowa, in California, speaking at, uh, uh, I think, one of the events a few years ago. And hopefully we'll get him back out here again uh, sometime over the next few years. But I'm thankful for Brother Creed. God has given him a burden 
for our nation and uh, to see our nation and our political leaders uh, turn back to the Lord. And folks, listen, they will never turn back to the Lord if they don't have believers reaching out to them. Look, you got saved because somebody reached you with the gospel. Uh, Folks in Marysville are getting saved because there is a lighthouse here, an established work of people going out, ministering. And folks, listen, government is no different. If you're going to have a government that is operating on biblical principles, you must have believers reaching up into that government and by God's grace have believers in that government But that won't happen unless we stay involved and unless we have a burden for it. And it is in our best interest. Well, if there's one thing we've learned the last year, government and who's in government makes a big difference. I'll just say this. Six weeks after uh, COVID hit, we realized that we were not all going to die. We came to that Uh, understanding, our governor in Iowa held a press conference and said, based on religious liberty implications, I am going to allow the churches to open back up. Folks, it makes a difference, amen? And we were thrilled that she did that and, uh, and, and actually expressed, she's the only governor I know of that actually expressed the issue as being one of religious liberty. And we are very thankful for Governor Reynolds and, uh, and the stand that she took at that time and the way that she opened this back up. But I'm saying this, it makes a difference who our leaders are and uh, because it determines our liberty because they are the ones who are making the laws. Folks, it was just one bad law on Daniel's day that put him in the lion's den. One bad law in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's day that put them in the fiery furnace. It was just the law. The laws make a difference. Our challenge in this country is we have enjoyed liberty for so long that we just think it's always going to be here. And this last year has given us just a taste. And folks, before we feel too sorry for ourselves, we are meeting here tonight. And in liberty, nobody's... Nobody's uh, threatening us uh, at the door tonight. And so we're thankful for that. But I'm saying this, uh, it can go away. And in many places around the world tonight, China, Iran, many other places, there is no liberty like this to me. And people, believers who believe the same gospel that you and I believe are being persecuted, are being imprisoned, if they are caught doing what we, just a simple thing of what we're doing tonight, meeting together as believers. And so we need to be thankful for that. We need to use our liberty while we have our liberty to preserve our liberty with God's help. And that is our burden to go into my burden in particular, into the state capitals. We're working in uh, eight states. In addition, uh, California and seven others that we're in right now, organizing with pastors and really reaching in and trying to develop our relationships first and foremost with the good and godly legislators. Because those folks, the Christians that are in your state house, and by God's grace, 
your state house has some believers in it. We heard from two of them uh, yesterday. Uh, let's see, it'd be uh, Assemblyman James Gallagher and then uh, Senator, is it Patterson? No, not Patterson. I'm forgetting the senator we heard from, but a senator. You've got some godly folks uh, in your state house. You can thank God for that. We're there to lift up their arms and encourage them to stand and to take a stand for the gospel and for biblical truth. And then, of course, we're there to reach others with the gospel because everybody needs to get saved, amen? And uh, that will change your worldview uh, when you get born again. And uh, we got a lot of folks in politics today who need a different worldview. They have a secular humanist worldview, and that is not consistent with Scripture, and that changes the way they legislate. And so uh, we reach out to them, and then our other uh, goal is to let folks in the church know what is going on at the state house. Uh, we don't want to wait until they knock on the door to find out that they have passed a law that puts us out of business. And I'll just tell you this, there are those in politics today who would love, in America, who would love nothing more than to put the church as you and I know it out of business. Now, they'll always have a church, and, and, uh, and they'll, but, but it won't be the church like you and I know it. It'll be preaching a very liberal socialist gospel and that, uh, that really is nothing more than the, the religion of the state if the socialists have their way and the Marxists have their way. And so, uh, but our goal is to uh, maintain our liberties, encourage folks, and uh, let folks know what's going on. Take your Bibles tonight, turn to Daniel chapter 3. And uh, as you're turning there, we appreciate your prayers as we continue this effort. Sign up to receive the uh, emails if you haven't done that already. You Right now, uh, in your state legislature, there's a group, your family policy group, your California Family Council, uh, I believe is the uh, correct title. Those folks are looking for a legislator who will sponsor a piece of, of legislation called Religion is Essential. Now, you know, a year ago, if I'd have stood up and said that, you'd have said, what is that about? We know religion is essential. Well, we found out that not everybody knows that, amen? And, uh, and so that's something to pray about. We'll keep you up to speed on that, but pray that God will put it in a, a legislator's heart to uh, sponsor that legislation here in California. You've got your... Uh, situation with your governor to keep in prayer that God's will would be done there and uh, other bills that uh, uh, will be coming along, bad bills that need to be stopped. And so we'll try to keep you up to date on some of those issues. Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 16 says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto the king, unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight. We thank you for this time we can come. We thank you for the 
Your word, the truth it has, the stories it has that instruct us, that encourage us, that challenge us. And Lord, I pray that in this time in our nation, that we would not live in fear, but we would live in faith. Knowing what your word teaches us and knowing that you're in control. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the uh, word that we need tonight that would be a help and an encouragement to us. For we ask in your name, amen. As far as our lifetime's concerned, we are experiencing a moment of unprecedented political turmoil, at least on the national stage, but also on a lot of, uh, a lot of stages in the states. Anybody who tells you that they know how it's going to turn out, don't listen to them. Folks, can I tell you something? Just because somebody posted a video on Facebook does not mean that they know what they're talking about. And we need to be careful because you get some folks on there saying some crazy things. And uh, nobody knows, but God in heaven does know. And that's the good news. But we're living in some unprecedented times, of course. Uh, We now know that our our president is uh, President Biden. We know the U.S. Senate is split 50-50 with Kamala Harris uh, being the tiebreaker. We know these things. They were things uh, a month or so ago. We were wondering how that was all going to turn out. We now know how that's all going to turn out. And by the way, we're all still here. And by God's grace, we still have our liberty tonight to meet. But it does appear that the left is hell-bent on transforming us into a godless LGBTQ plus nation. That seems to be very obvious, even by the presidential proclamations and things that have gone on, executive orders that have already gone out. There's some things of great concern there. And so we know that. Uh, I don't know what President Trump's future is going to be. I do know this. Uh, Nobody did more to protect life than President Trump did. No president did more to protect religious liberty than President Trump did. No president did more to protect the borders of our nation, not in our lifetime. No president did more to put conservative-minded judges on the courts. And there were many of us who were saying way back when we were all wondering uh, about even about President Trump and questions about him, we said, hey, it's about the courts. And you know what? That's one thing that did prove to be true. And thank God he followed amazingly, followed through on that and put conservative judges, and already we're starting to see where some of those judges have helped in some situations around the country. No president has done more to fight the left-wing bureaucracy that's undermining our nation. And no president has done more to push back against the narrative of the left accusing our nation of being systemically evil. Folks, this is a theme. It's a really, really dangerous theme. I have a message that I preach that deals with that. I don't don't have time to get into that tonight. But here's the biggest issue. They're saying that our nation is systemically evil. And that's really where the left has their problem. Because the left hates the founding of our nation because it was founded on biblical principles. That individual rights are derived from a creator. That they're based on the enduring principles compatible with the laws of nature and of nature's God. That statement in the Declaration of Independence, the laws of nature's God, is a direct, uh, is a direct reference to the Word of God. You study out the history of it. They don't like that. Our founding fathers recognized human imperfection. 
and that those in power tend to abuse that power. And so they restrain those in power with the written constitution and separation of, power, of, of the powers of government. And they left as many powers as possible, as much power as possible, with the people. But folks, therein lies a problem too. Because we are a, a nation that is an experiment of self-government. But self-government demands that those who seek to govern themselves politically must first govern themselves personally. Folks, if you can't govern yourself, you can't govern yourself. And we're in a nation that is increasingly unable to govern ourselves. That's why every one of us today, if we were to count the number of times that we were uh, on a video camera as we went around uh, our business today, you know why all those cameras are out there in the world? Because we have become a nation that unless we think a camera's watching us, we can't govern ourselves. With that in mind, it's important to understand that we're witness, what we're witnessing is not so much a political battle between political parties as it is a spiritual battle between good and evil, right and wrong, truth and lies, bondage and liberty, and Christianity and Marxism. This is a spiritual battle we're in. You say, well, Brother Cranston, is there still hope? Absolutely there is still hope. Anytime a Christian feels all hope is lost, listen, for the believer, all hope is never lost. As citizens of heaven, as long as we still have our salvation, there's hope. Folks, listen, there's hope for those who are in countries around the world who are incarcerated for their faith. And there's definitely hope for us. As long as we have our liberty here, as we've already referenced tonight, there is hope. Hope And the same power of God that's able to keep our salvation is also able, should he so choose, to preserve the liberty that we've inherited as Americans. Look back to our text passage tonight. You know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's golden image. They refused because they weren't. The only person they bowed down to was God. And so the king calls them in and he's upset. He is angry, and uh, they come before him, and they answer him in the passage that we've read. And the first thing I want to notice in verse number 16, they say this, We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Folks, they'd already thought this through. Can I tell you this? If you're going to stand for the Lord, you're not going to do it as an afterthought. If you're going to stand for the Lord at home, if you're going to stand for the Lord at work, if you're going to stand for the Lord in the community... If you're going to stand for the Lord when the devil throws a temptation in front of you, it's not going to be because of an afterthought. They said, hey, we're not care. We thought this through. We know what we're saying. Verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us. Boy, they had a lot of faith. They said, look, God is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us. But then I like verse number 18. Shows a little bit of their humanity. Amen. And then they said, but if not. But if not. 
In other words, if God should choose not to save us, and folks, can I say something? God is sovereign. You know, some of the, I'm sure we're going to get to heaven, and we're going to find out that some of the greatest Christians to ever live on the face of the earth were taken out of this world prematurely by an accident, by uh, an illness, by, and, and where folks here, it just doesn't make any sense. But I'm telling you what, God is sovereign. And God's sovereign when it comes to nations. But he says, but if not, if he should choose not to save us, you know what they were saying? They were saying, if that happens, it doesn't change anything. We are not going to bow. If God delivers from the fiery furnace, we're not bowing. If he chooses not to deliver us from the fiery furnace, we're not bowing. Now, if you were to put that in today's vernacular, we could say God's able to deliver us, but if not, we're not going to support the killing of the unborn. We're just not going to do it. We're not going to excuse adultery and fornication. We're not going to affirm the LGBTQ plus lifestyle. We're not going to redefine marriage. And folks, it, you know what? The left wants to take that and call us haters and bigots and that is a lie. I can promise you, I know in my church over the years, we had folks come to visit who were of that persuasion, uh, lesbians in the case I'm thinking of now. And you know what? We treated them with just as much respect and just as friendly as we did any person who's ever walked into our church. But it didn't change the word of God. It didn't. Look, folks, if an adulterer walks into the church, nobody expects the pastor to start saying adultery's okay. Amen. But you love, folks, we, and by the way, there, there is not one of us who can stand here without sin. And my sin, you say, well, my sin's not as bad as their sin. Look, any, our sin, it all had the same consequence. It condemned us to hell. And without the saving blood of Jesus Christ, none of us would be saved. We're not going to redefine marriage. We're not going to call a girl a boy or a boy a girl. We're not going to bow down to the culture of godless immorality. Furthermore, we're not going to deny the existence of God. We're not going to embrace evolution. We'll not worship the creation more than the creator. We're not going to forsake the teachings of scriptures. We're not going to stop knocking on doors. We're not going to stop passing out tracts. We're not going to stop winning souls. We're not going to betray our Savior. You want to summarize it? We are not going to live by lies. Folks, you know what the difference between this book and the secular humanist mentality is? You've got truth, and you've got lies. And you know as believers in every area of, your, of our life, and I'm talking about personally too, we've got to determine with God's help, we are not going to live by lies. And in the meantime, we exercise to the fullest extent possible our civic duties. We live and work and pray with the hope that the Lord will intervene. You know what? My hope is that God does spare America. My hope is that things do turn around. 
And there's some good things happening in different parts of the country and some, some wonderful things where God is raising up folks and we're excited about that. God's, God can save us. And we're hopeful that our unalienable rights will be peaceably preserved. But we're not going to bow down regardless of what it's going to possibly threaten us. That's got to be our resolve. That's got to be our commitment. But the good news remains, and this is what I want to leave you with, and I want to leave you with good news. The good news is this, that God is able to deliver us. He chose to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But wait a minute. We know, you know the advantage that we have with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is we read the beginning of the story and we stop when we get to the end. And we know the whole thing. And we say, wow, that's an amazing thing. But you understand the part of the story where they said, but if not, they didn't know the ending. All they could see is the smoke from the furnace. You know, you got to wonder sometimes, at what point did they realize that they were going to be delivered? I mean, I don't, I don't think it necessarily was when they were tying them up. In fact, I would think at that point they were saying, well, fellas, this is it. This is, this is it. You know, we're, we're, I'm not going to change, but I'm telling you what, we'll, I hope you guys are saved. Amen. <laughs> I don't think it was in. I don't know if when as they were carrying them up to throw them in that furnace. I don't know if they all of a sudden really said, hey, you know what? Do you feel any heat? No, I don't feel any heat. Maybe they felt a little bit of heat at first. I don't know. I know this, folks. They were flesh like we're flesh. I don't think they were saying, all right, bring it on. I don't think they were like that at all. But you know what? They got thrown in there. And when they got up, I, I think they were surprised. I think they're like, are we still, are you still here? <laughs> Is that you right there? Aren't we in the fiery furnace? Folks, God delivered them. But I'll tell you what, they still had to go through the fire to get delivered. You know what we want? We want deliverance with no fire. We don't even want it. We want deliverance. We don't want it in the fiery furnace. We want it before we ever get in the fiery furnace. Well, I prayed and I'm still going through it, Pastor. I don't understand why I'm having this problem. I've tried to do right. I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were doing right. They still had to go through the furnace. But boy, I'm telling you what. Once they got in there and once they walked out the other side, I'm telling you, they were thankful they had stayed faithful. And folks, you want to know when you'll be thankful you stayed faithful? It's when you come out the other side. And by the way, you know when God worked on the heart of the king, it was when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through the fire and came out the other side. And that's when all of a sudden, because of their faithfulness, because of their testimony, the king said, you know what? I think I've just figured out who the real God is. You know, here's a question we can ask ourselves. If our legislators, if our governor, if the people in political power in this state had to determine if Christianity was true or not, could they figure it out by looking at your life or my life? God's able to deliver us. He chose to deliver Daniel. 
He chose to deliver Joseph. He chose to deliver Moses. He chose to deliver the children of Israel. God can. He chose to deliver David. I think about uh, going back to the story of Esther, old, old Haman. Now you think how close that came. There's Haman. He's coming up with this plan and he's got it all figured out. And folks, you know, sometimes we think, well, it's over. Boy, if anybody had, was in a situation where they could say it was over, it was the Jews living during Esther's day. I mean, the law went out. It was published. Nothing could change it. Boy, they could have, they could have said, that's it. It's over. But you know what? Who hung on those gallows that Haman built for Mordecai? He hung on them. Folks, God's able. You know, God, sometimes God is just testing us. God is just trying to find out if we're as serious as we think we are. Sometimes God's just testing us to see if we're as serious as we think we are about serving him. And he throws one thing at us and another thing at us. You know what I learned as a pastor over 28 years? Not everybody stays faithful. And sometimes hard things come. But I'll tell you the people that you are so thankful for are those who just come through the fire. And on the other side, they're just as faithful as they were going in. God chose to deliver a number of the godly kings of Judah. And folks, let me say this. It's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. I'm thankful for the tools God has given us. I'm thankful for the way that we can communicate with people, and we do that with email and identify the good bills and the bad bills and try to encourage the, the good legislators and try to make things happen the little bit that we can and be the little bit of influence we can. But, folks, I'm telling you, it's not by... It's, it, this country will not be saved and not be salvaged by the design of any person. I've been saying for years, we're at a point now, folks, one thing we know, if this country is turned around, it will be God. And if we are preserved, it will be God. And I think we can see, I think God gives just the fact that President Trump got in. I mean, I don't know about you. You think back to that. I, as I remember, he wasn't supposed to win. And you know what? I had a message I preached after that, that God has given us uh, a space of grace. But you know the challenge with that message? A space is like this long. <laughs> Amen. And then you come to the end of the space. And folks, I don't know what God's plan is. But I'm telling you what? He is able don't give up hope. Don't despair. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry as long as I can. And I know we don't literally save that, say that, but sometimes we take that attitude in life. No, as long as God gives us liberty, as long as he gives us breath, we need to be involved and engaged in every level that we can be, that God, every opportunity God opens the door for us to be. And by the way, that includes soul winning. That includes passing out tracts. You know what the devil wants us to think as believers? He wants us to think that nobody else wants to get saved. You know what I've learned? Whether I'm here, whether I'm anywhere else, I was down at the gas station today, handed out a gospel tract, and uh, down in uh, Wheatland. And you know what? The fellow there, he didn't get mad at me. He didn't get upset with me. He took it all kind of, you know, he was happy to get it. But how many times is the devil trying to tell us nobody wants a gospel tract anymore? 
I'm saying little things. We say, well, Brother Cranston, I can't change the heart of the governor. No, but God can. And by the way, you can pass out a gospel track as you go through your day. And you can witness to your coworker, and you can invite them to church. And you can be a good testimony on the job. You can have a clean mouth on the job. Sometimes I was with somebody the other day, and they, they uh, a legislator, and he said, uh, yeah, he said this, and he's a Christian, a strong Christian, and he mentioned another legislator that I've been, been around and been talking to, and, and uh, he said, yeah, boy, he's got a foul mouth. I said, man, I didn't know it. You know why? Because they know I'm a pastor. But folks, I'll tell you what, folks at your, at your work, they ought to know there's something different about you. I mean, I'm glad that I haven't heard anybody cussing anybody else out tonight. That's a blessing. Amen. God's people are all getting along. Amen. But you know what? God, God, God forbid that tomorrow somebody in this room who claims to be a Christian and a member of this church goes to work and cusses when things don't go right. Our testimony is so important. Folks, and here's what, here's what I believe. And I finish with this. My time's about up. I have come to believe this, that whether or not our nation falls or stands is far more dependent on you and me personally than we will ever understand. You know, we quote 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God says, I will hear from heaven and will heal their land. But you go to the next verse, and what does God say? God say, look, now I'm watching and I'm waiting to see who's going to do it. Folks, you know, when you live in a country, you think, well, there's nothing I can do. No, there is something you can do to save this nation. Live a godly, pure, holy life. Walk with your God. Serve your God. Spend time in prayer. What Ezekiel 22:30, God says, I sought for a man among them. You know, God always works through a person. There's one time in history recorded in the Bible that I'm aware of where God did a great miracle and nobody was present. There was nobody around. That's called creation. But you know what? Every other miracle in this book that God did, you know somebody had to show up. Somebody had to stand up. Somebody had to stay faithful. And the tragedy of Ezekiel 22:30 is that God says, I was looking for a man and I could not find anybody. I don't think he would find a woman either because there's times in the Bible when God couldn't find men, he'd use the women. Well, what a shame. Folks, you know what? If America, if God decides this is it for America, I, I just don't want it to be because God says I looked for believers. I was trying to find the salt. I was trying to find those who would continue to love me and read their Bibles every day and pray and walk with me, and I couldn't find them. God help us. Folks, you know what that comes back to? That comes back to me and my personal walk with God. That comes back to you. You say, well, that's the pastor's job. No, it's the job of every believer. 
the salt. Old Abraham, God, God says, he said, God finally said, look, if I can find just 10 righteous, he didn't say 10 righteous pastors. He said, just 10 righteous in that city of Sodom, I will spare it. I don't know where God's line is in America. I think the reason we are still here today after murdering 63 million innocent unborn babies, the only reason we're still here today is because there's still enough salt. But let me ask you this. If that number depends on you, will there still be enough salt tomorrow morning? God help us. God can. I believe, my hope, my prayer is that God spares this nation like he spared uh, Nineveh, gave them a hundred extra years after they repented, that whole godless nation repented. Folks, I'm telling you, and, and by the way, you want to know the secret? Repentance. Repentance. I'm studying the book of Hosea. And at one point in the book, God says, when you return to me, I'll be there. You want to know when God will start working in our lives, in our nation, when we return back to him. But it's up to us personally to walk with God. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight. Lord, it's our prayer that you would meet with us, that you would preserve us, you would preserve this nation. But Lord, we need to realize that our responsibility is to seek after you, to put you first, to live according to your word, to do what we can do and trust you to do what we can. There's a whole lot more that we can't than what we can. And Lord, I pray now that you would work in our hearts. I pray that you would raise up godly believers to run for office as far as it relates to our nation. I pray that you would encourage those who are there. I pray that you would do what we can't do. But Lord, help us to understand that our obligation is to continue to serve you and live for you no matter what and to pursue your perfect will for our lives. We ask in your name. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.